So yeah, uh, ladies, uh, I know uh, Sarah, you you set in on Pam's uh, emotion study there Friday night, and uh, I think they're doing the same thing on Tuesdays and Thursdays in the Ladies Invest Bible Study. It's a uh, study on emotions and. And so, uh, I think it's just starting, so if, if any... Pam, did you sit in on that? Uh, it was this Pam, right. I know, I just didn't know if you were there Friday night for that or not. But, uh, alright, well I'm excited about this morning. Uh, this is the first time I think I've ever taught two chapters in one day, so we're going to... It sounds like we're going to go fast, but I think it, it's going to tie together, and I think it'll make sense, so hopefully it will. Seemed like I was going to announce something else there. On the harvest party, uh, did we say there's a sign up in the lobby? Yep, sign up in the lobby uh, and the tote with candy. So we're going to try to set up the tent out back. I was just telling Dawn. And so uh, we may have all the booths in a tent. So it's kind of a carnival atmosphere. Uh, Sarah, you may not have ever been there. Uh, Emmett and Pam, were you, have you ever seen our carnival? And probably you guys haven't either. So we usually have uh, 10, 15, up to 20 little booths. You know, you may have a little duck fishing thing. And all the booths give out uh, between one and three tickets. You know, if, if, if you hit the bullseye, you get three tickets. And if you just come and try you get one ticket you know and then they can redeem their tickets and we usually have a pretty good selection of prizes you know you may have some nice thing that costs 40 tickets and some lesser item that costs 10 tickets so anyway uh, that's a little bit about the harvest party so we need to pray for good weather Uh, I think we send out I think Harrisonville is kind of has five postal routes and so we typically advertise with at least three of those we we send out mailers uh some you know it's fairly expensive to send to all five but sometimes we do to all of harrisonville so uh if i remember right are we going to go taking it to the streets next sunday do you remember i think i've heard that so once or twice a year we do what we call taking it to the streets i think we may do that next sunday after main service just go door to door and invite people to the harvest party oh man Oh, Mr. Ed. Bearded Ed. I like that beard. Welcome, brother. I was hoping you'd get a ride one of these days, and you did. So, hey, Chuck, you might scoot over a little bit, make room for Ed if you can. Maybe move to a different chair if you can. He... So, all right, well, we're in Jeremiah 22, nope, 27. I'm thinking of October 22nd, we're going to set up the tent, and the harvest party is the 23rd, so that's where I'm at. All right, be looking. Somebody read for us when they get there. Chapter 27 of Jeremiah, the first three verses. Jeremiah 27. It's a cool story. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord to me, Make make thee bonds and yokes, and put them upon thy neck, and send them to the king of Edom, and to the king of Moab, to the king of the Ammonites, and to the king of Tyrus, and to the king of Zidon, by the hand of the messengers which came to Jerusalem unto Zedekiah, king of Judah. Okay, thank you, Pam. So, uh, what is it? What is it that Jeremiah was instructed to do here, Pam? Um, he wanted them to make uh, yokes uh, representing bonds, so that they would. He's getting ready to tell them where they were going to, who they're going to be in bondage to. Okay. And he lists out six of these nations here. And what is the last one in in verse 3, these six nations? Uh, uh, The king of Sidon. Yep. And uh, at the very end, uh, it's even the king of Judah. So I had you put Judah in your blank there. And so 
time to break out the yoke. Oh boy. Huh? <laughs> this, my wife got three of these at a garage sale one time, and, and we gave the other two away. We kept one. And uh, there's obviously other parts to it that kind of go down around the animal's neck. Uh, have you ever seen anything yoked up, Emmett? I, I haven't either. Um, so I don't know quite how this works. Uh, if you look at the back, I've got a little hanger. I hang this in my office at my uh, at my home. And so this is actually uh, probably an ox or a mule yoke. And um, so we're going to comment about this a little bit. But I don't know if, if Jeremiah made a double yoke like this. But that would be pretty hard to carry around. But... He, uh, in a little bit, we're going to see that he was actually told to go in and speak to the king with this yoke about his neck. And kind of what he's saying, he's, he's telling these six nations, if you will let Babylon come in and... Uh, take over and and be a servant and be in bonds to them you're going to get a stay in the land and it's the opposite of what you would think but uh, otherwise if you don't if you do rebel and fight against the Babylonians they're going to kill you and they're going to ship off people to captivity and you'll you'll be in bondage and yoke there but anyway this is a that's quite a visual image isn't it I just think that'd be wild to see to be a fly on the wall as Jeremiah's handing out these yokes to the king of these countries and they're that just seemed like it'd be a very powerful thing, but God gives His people, you know, uh, pictures and images, and uh, I think this is probably oak. It's a good thirty, forty pound yoke there, probably. Uh, and so th- th- this is this is kind of the theme of both of these chapters, this story that we're getting ready to uh, speak about. And he mentions here in verse 4, he says, And command them to say unto their masters, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall ye say unto your masters, uh, I have made the earth the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arms and have given it unto whom it seemeth meet unto me and now have I given all these lands unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon he calls him my servant again and the beasts of the field have I given unto him also to serve him and all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the very time of this land come of his land come and then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him and so he predicts that uh, not only will all nations be governed by Babylon there but at a certain time uh, they are going to take Babylon captive and destroy it and and make them servants and so there's uh, these three kings here Uh, Nebuchadnezzar his son uh, I think this is actually in the Bible his name is Evil Merodach how would you like to name your child Evil Uh, Evil Merodach and if if you take if you take the way the letter D the devil is evil uh, D evil and then uh, his grandson uh, I think is this Belshazzar which was uh, overtaken by the Medes and the Persians so anyway. Uh, anyway, this is just really a cool story. They're gonna, if they do come under the yoke, they'll get to stay in the land. And my teaching point there is just that God uses a yoke. The word yoke goes in your blank to uh, symbolize bondage, submission, and service. And when you think of bondage, we, we typically think of bad things. We think, but you know, Christ said no man can serve two masters. He he'll either. Uh, uh, love the one and hate the other. I forget exactly how he says it, but we're, we're all servants to somebody. And uh, this is a pretty wild statement. Paul says that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. 
and he, he even uh, calls himself a, a bond servant and so uh, um, in, in just uh, I think it's at the bottom of my next teaching point you know Christ says come unto me all the ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give thee rest and he says take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am uh, meek and lowly and uh, so we'll read that here in just a minute but uh, just kind of be thinking about yoke in the Bible (laughs) and you know uh, this is actually the Bible speaks about marriage. It says not to be unequally yoked, and and that comes from Deuteronomy, where it, uh, God, God told God told Israel not not to yoke a an ox with an ass, and it, it, it's kind of got two natures because an oxen is made for service, and uh, you know an ass is stubborn and rebellious, and they, they won't. Uh, they they won't they won't go the same direction, and so uh, the Bible actually says that not to yoke an, an oxen with an ass, and so the New Testament says not to be unequally yoked. And you know what we what we say, uh, and I've seen it on cars sprayed with shaving cream. You know, just got hitched. They just got hitched, and that hitch comes from being yoked. That they're 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 linked together. And so, um, it, it it primarily pertains to marriage, but it, I think it can be uh, the same in business. Maybe you don't want to be yoked or in a, some type of covenant with uh, people that are not going the same direction, right? So, there's a lot of, a lot of application there. And then in verses uh, 12 and 13, somebody read that for us if they would, 12 and 13 of 27. I speak also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and serve him and his people, and live. Why will ye, why will ye die, thou and thy people, by the sword, by the famine, by pestilence, as the Lord hath spoken against the nation that will not serve against the king of Babylon? <coughs> right. And read uh, 14 and 15 also, if you will. Therefore hearken not unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for thy prophecy and lie unto you. For I have not sent them, saith the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I might drive you out, and that ye might perish, ye and the prophets that prophesy unto you. So there's these uh, false prophets, and they actually cause, uh, if if they hearken to them, they're going to be driven from their land, and many are going to perish. So that that's what happens when you heed the, the false uh, prophets, is that they're driven out, and they do perish. And then it says in verses 16 and 17, this... Uh, it says, Also I spake to the priests and to all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hearken not to the words of your prophets that prophesy unto you, saying, Behold the vessels of the Lord's house now shortly uh, shall now shortly be brought again from Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. <clears throat> and hold your place here and look with me at Second Kings. I want us to all see this. Second Kings 24. I think for me it's been most helpful for me to to see kind of the flow of the kings and some of the stories in in Chronicles as well but here in 2 Kings 24 we won't read all this but look at verse 13 with me cuz this is this is where it happened cuz let me draw a little bit of a timeline. So, uh, I'm going to put this. So, if we draw a little bit of a timeline, (coughs) 
So Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem uh, around 606 B.C. And it's, it's believed that about 605 is when Daniel and his friends were carried into Babylon. Uh, so there was, so they captured Jerusalem. They besieged it. The Bible says, <clears throat> and so for like 19 years they were the Babylonians were camped around and and I forget how Jim says it, but uh, didn't you say that they're kind of puppet kings that yeah. Nebuchadnezzar actually kind of appoints kings to? Yeah, he instilled Jehoahaz that first time because the first time he came, like you said, he took the the cream of the crop. The royalty, you know, the, the royal family like Daniel. Okay. And then he installed the puppet king Jehoahaz. Okay. He's supposed to pay tribute and be good to Nebuchadnezzar. So they're still kind of farming the land and trying to give tribute, but some of them uh, rebel. And then uh, this second deportation was Ezekiel. And one thing I was reading this week uh, just said it was around 597. So about seven or eight years into this, uh, Ezekiel. So, So this story that we're getting ready to read here in 2 Kings 24, I believe, happens right here. Uh, and and what we're going to see is the vessels. They they steal these vessels out of the temple, and then this last group is uh, Zedekiah, and that's where that's where uh, Jeremiah is going in to to talk to the king Zedekiah, and he's saying the vessels that were stolen here. Some of the prophets here are saying, "Oh yeah, uh, we're going to get the land back. We need to stay here." Even the vessels are coming back. It's going to be, uh, you know, peace and prosperity ahead of us. And and Jeremiah said, "No, no, it's not." So, Second Kings twenty four, starting with verse thirteen, the Bible says, uh, "Well, I'll go back one verse. Uh, well, let's go all the way to verse ten, twenty four ten. And at that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up." against Jerusalem and the city was besieged and Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came against the city and his servants did besiege it and Jehoiachin the king of Judah went out to the king of Babylon he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers and the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign and he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon king of Israel had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said and he carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smiths none remained save the poorest sort of the people of the land and uh, I'll, I'll just stop there but anyway I think this timeline kind of helps with the story so all of that's happening right here uh, in verse 13 they, they take these vessels so now, now let's pick up our story back in uh, Jeremiah 27 <clears throat> and and then somebody read verse 18 for us uh, Jeremiah 27:18 But if they be prophets and if the word of the Lord be with them let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem go not to Babylon Okay So that's that's. Uh, I think what Jeremiah is saying is, not only are the vessels not coming back, but let's pray that the rest of them don't go. There's still some there, so let's let's pray. Let's uh, do some damage control, I guess. And so, uh, my teaching point here is that uh, false teaching causes God's people to be driven away, to perish, and to be robbed by the enemy. They're, they're robbed. <clears throat> and so that, that is what happens 
is uh, and 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 I don't know how many. I, I'm going to try to quote John 10:10 10, 10 to us, but John 10:10 10, 10 is a reference to the devil. It says that the thief cometh not forth but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give them life and life more abundant. And so I just think that these passages really reference the Lord's teaching that about the devil. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what's happening to God's people here in, in our Old Testament. And uh, th- this last section here lists out these verses... Uh, somebody read 19 through 22 if they would. 19 through the end of the. Pam Anderson, you got those? For thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, and concerning the sea, and concerning the bases, and concerning the residue of the vessels that they remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took not when he carried away the captive. Jehoiachin, the son of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yea, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord, and in the house of the king of Judah, and of Jerusalem. They shall be carried away to Babylon, and there shall they be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord, then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. Alright, so there is a, a promise uh, that they will be restored and so that's that's very promising and encouraging that, to end that chapter on that note and uh, there, there are some vessels that remain and uh, he mentions these pillars and I don't know if you remember but uh, Solomon made these two big pillars and he named them, uh, one was Boaz and one was Jachin or something like that and one, I think one, the meaning was uh, strength, and the other, he will strengthen. So the, these pillars are representing, you know, strong. And, and I think uh, what, what I read or heard was history said that the Babylonians had to cut them up to carry them. They, they're, they're like six foot in diameter and about almost 30 feet tall. And so they're like solid brass, and so they had to be cut up. to. So there's still some things that were left in Jerusalem. And uh, this uh, br- uh, brass sea, it, it mentions in verse uh, that they haven't taken away yet these vessels that remain. And uh, so anyway, th- this timeline captures so so the, the the rest of the vessels were taken here. <laughs> and if you know the story, it's really cool that uh, that. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, I believe it is, Belshazzar, you know, he's the one that's seen the handwriting on the wall in his vision, and uh, he was drinking out of the golden vessels from the Lord's house. And so he was, uh, uh, with him, I think he was killed that very night, wasn't he? Yeah. And. And so one of the things that I've I, I kind of keep a list of I got a list of like fifteen or seventeen people in the Bible that God killed, and uh, almost all, all of them, if not every one of them, it, it's when they they touched the holy things of God, and they were uh, this he, heathen king was drinking out of vessels that were meant to be in the house of God. And it was really a blasphemous thing, and, and the and the Lord had him die that night. And, and we're going to see another guy die here in the very next chapter. Uh, so this is kind of a good introduction to that. So then what happens is the Medes and the Persian come in. And I, I think this is right. If we had a little longer timeline... I don't know if that's the right way to spell it, but so from 606 
to 536, that, that's this 70 years of captivity. That, uh, but, but over here, Cyrus makes this decree. Uh, th- this, and, and this was prophesied. His name was actually in prophesy. I think it's uh, Isaiah 45 that mentions him by name. That Cyrus, he makes this decree for the Jews to go back to their land. So it's really an amazing... Uh, we, we studied, you know, kind of why 70 years... And uh, the understanding there is that for 490 years, they had not kept the Sabbath year to let the land rest. And so uh, one year out of every seven, they were supposed to have a year of Sabbath and let the land rest. And so the land did rest for these 70 years because the Jews were gone. They were out of it and they were in captivity. And so uh, for 70 years, and then they started coming back with uh, Zerubbabel, and uh, they were allowed to bring some of the vessels back. And so that's what Jeremiah's prophet, at, at the very last of verse 22, then will I bring them up and restore them to this place. He's, they're going to restore the people and uh, the vessels uh, come back. So it's really... Anyway, I like these stories and... Uh, so now let's look at, uh, well, I've got the Matthew 11 verse. I can't, uh, I can't teach this lesson without going to Matthew 11 because this is key to our study. Matthew 11. And uh, the thing that I remember about this, the reason this, part of the reason this is so special to me is my first mission trip that I went on. Uh, Leo, you'll like this. You and Amita. I went to uh, Costa Rica. Uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. San Jose, that's the capital, I think. And uh, so we, we went to visit a missionary there. And the thing that was special to me was uh, my... I invited my friend uh, Craig with me, and he he later became my boss. Uh, but anyway, th- this is uh, we we went to their their city park, and we were supposed to preach at the park, and uh, and this is what he preached on. My friend Craig was Matthew eleven, and. I had never heard it called this, but he called, you know, we hear uh, the great commandment, we hear about the great commission, but he called this Christ's great invitation, because Christ is saying, come unto me, all ye, he, he calls it the great invitation. So anyway, it, it was just really a, a, really a special time for me, and so 11, 28 through 30 says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. <clears throat> and uh, when he preached that, uh, I got to share the gospel with uh, a homosexual man that was sitting there and he gave his life to Christ uh, because of this passage and and he we even talked to him at a later date and he, he I guess he hung out a lot at a, at a gay bar there in Costa Rica, San Jose and anyway I, I hope to I can't remember his name now, but I'll, you know, hopefully see him in heaven. But th- this is a this is good for all of us because all of us become tired, we become heavy laden, and Christ promises rest. And so, uh, that, that's kind of my teaching point is, you know, accepting God's yoke is far better uh, than the alternative because the world does make you. The world does make us, you know, heavy laden. But, you know, when, when we're yoked with Christ, He's pulling the load, isn't He? 
you know, we're just kind of along for the ride when Christ is pulling. But, but you know, but with the world, they try to pull us back, and we're, they're trying to. And so it's really, I just really like this uh, imagery of of the yoke and, and being yoked with the Lord. And it says His burden is light, and so we we don't have to. Uh, I've got a preacher that he he says the Christian life is not difficult. He says it's impossible. <laughs> you, you can't live the Christian life without Christ. And so we need to be yoked up with Him and serving with Him. And uh, so there's just a lot about oxen and yoked. And He says His burden is light. And we, we need that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, all right. Well, that's chapter 27. <laughs> And so let's look at chapter 28 because this this we're going to try to cover another chapter. We did that in a little over 20 minutes, so let's uh, we got 30 minutes for 28. It says it came to pass the same year. I'll read the first four verses of the next chapter. In the beginning, in the of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, and in the fifth month that Hananiah the son of Azer the prophet which was of Gibeon spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and of all the people saying I skipped two pages Uh, thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel saying I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon took away from this place and carried them to Babylon and I will bring them uh, I will bring again to this place Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah and all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon saith the Lord for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon and so Jeremiah just got done talking about false prophets that are saying you know don't go and and now we see one this is a false prophet this is Hananiah and I'll see I put on on the yeah so his prediction is that within two years Judah would not be defeated but all the captives and all the vessels are coming back within two years and my teaching point here is just that uh, false prophets tell people what they want to hear and we're, we're all like that uh, but, but you know uh, and, and I know Don you've been uh, a coach uh, were you a teacher also were one of you guys teachers just mainly just a coach and but uh you know even as a coach you know uh, i mean i remember the best coaches or the best teachers are the ones that are hard on you right and they don't always tell you what you want to hear you may need to run another lap or run another hill or and so uh so uh I've heard that Christianity is called the hard but right path, and, and so sometimes uh, it's not uh, the easiest way, but it is the right way. <clears throat> and so these people are hearing that uh, Hananiah is saying that the vessels are coming back within two full years. Nebuchadnezzar will be defeated, and we're going to be victorious. And that's what happens in First Peter or First Timothy four three. Does somebody want to read that for us? First Timothy four three. I kind of forget what I. Yeah. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat. Is that right? Or was it Second Timothy? Is what I meant. I think. Timothy four three. A lot of them talks about. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Yeah. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. ears. That's it. And so uh, that that is this time that we're living in, isn't it? It uh, we 
tend to do what we want. We don't listen to sound doctrine. We, we go after our own lust and we heap up uh, teachers that tell us what we want to hear. And uh, I think it goes on to say that we're ever learning and never able to come to the truth. So anyway, that's, that's where we're at. That's uh, false teachers, false prophets. And so Hannah and I, I was telling people what they wanted to hear. But now let's go back to... Uh, so th- this is the cool part of the story, I think. Uh, verses 5 through 9, back in Jeremiah 28. Jim, you got that? 5 through sure, 9? All right. Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. Even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesieth prophet death of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall that prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. All right, so we'll we'll see that in a little bit. Uh, that that's how you tell if it's a true prophet or not. If what they say comes to pass, then they're a true prophet. But um, so so what what Jer- Jeremiah is listening, and uh, if if you think about this, um, this is like on the courthouse steps. This is like it in the temple in 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 the city. And all the people are listening. And so Hananiah is prophesying like he is. And uh, Jeremiah says, Amen. Uh, I hope it's like you say it is, that we will get victory. But he says, he kind of goes to the prophets of old. And I want us to look at... Okay, this is where I put this. So let's go to the Deuteronomy 18. Let's hold our place here because we talk about this. This is the the test of a true prophet. Because Jeremiah is with him. He's like saying, Amen, uh, Hananiah. I hope what you say comes true. But he says, this is the, the test of a true prophet here. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy 18. Yeah. Okay. So here in uh, Deuteronomy 18, verses 17 through 22, it says, And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto me. This is Moses talking. And will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever yeah, whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? And here it is in verse 22, when a prophet speaketh, In the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. So, it's at the end of verse uh, 20 that... Uh, that that prophet shall die if what he's saying is not of the Lord and he claims it is of the Lord and so uh, it's kind of like 
a modern day weatherman. They don't, they don't always get it right, do they? Yeah. So they're kind of false prophets, but at least they're not claiming that it's from the Lord. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, uh, so my teaching point or my uh, fill in the blank was just nevertheless. He back in Jeremiah twenty eight, it uses the word nevertheless. And Pam, what is it that Pat says about that word? It's it's like uh, that's from the Lord if it says nevertheless. So it's like Hananiah saying this, nevertheless, the prophets of old, they said this. So the word nevertheless, uh, hear the prophets of old. So Hananiah, I hope what you said comes to pass. But nevertheless, uh, I don't think that God... Because God's telling Jeremiah something different, isn't he? So here's a wild thing. Verses 10 and 11. Back in Jeremiah 28, verses 10 and 11. Uh, who, who can read those for us? Diana, you or Don want to read those? Well, you don't have the King James version. That's all right. Read what you got. Okay, 10 and 11. Yeah. Then the prophet of Hananiah took the oak off of the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it. And he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says. In the same way will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. Yeah. Was that it? Yep. See, so yeah, 10 and 11. Uh, and that would be pretty tough to break one of these, wouldn't it? So he probably made something a little less, maybe something a little more portable, but held the same image. But, uh, I mean, that, that's a pretty uh, pretty uh, prideful or pretty arrogant thing to do for Hananiah to go over and take the yoke off of Jeremiah and break it in front of the people. And he says, within two years, we're going to break the yoke of Babylon and so it, it's kind of on here now. It's a it's a contest between the true and the false prophet here. And so let, let's uh, pick up the story then in verse twelve. Somebody read twelve through fourteen. Uh, Emma, do you, you want to read those, brother? Sure. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from on. The neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Let's say the Lord, Thou hast broken the oaks of wood, but thou shalt make them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all of these nations, that they may serve. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him and have him in the beast of the field also. Yeah, that, that thing about the beast of the field, that comes up two or three times in here that the beasts of the field are going to serve him too. And I don't know if that just means, like you were saying, Jim, that they get the, the tribute or the, you know, if the chickens, you give the eggs to the Babylonians or, uh, yeah, you know, you, you give the figs off the fig trees or the beasts of the field are yeah. going to serve uh, this pagan king. Uh so now, so what uh, Diana read is that the yoke gets broken, and Jeremiah, he comes back, he says, you broke the yoke of wood, but God's going to put on you a yoke of iron. And, uh, you know, just reading that, you think, you know, it's kind of escalating here, isn't it? It's, And maybe Jeremiah's a little bit heated, but I want you to see that Jeremiah's got the word of the Lord with him. And so uh, you probably should write this in in your margins of your Bible if you can or make note of it. But this Deuteronomy 28, this is, I want us all to turn there. This is what really, I don't know if you ever kind of get wowed by the Bible. This is kind of a wow thing with me and the Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. And, And I love this just... I feel like Jeremiah 28 is a fulfillment 
of Deuteronomy 28. And we're going to start in verse 47. So Deuteronomy 28:47. It says, "Because thou sh- uh, servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. It says, uh, I'll go on down to verse 51. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as an eagle, the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. You see how all this fits Babylon, that they're from afar. I think they're likened to an eagle, even in the book of Habakkuk. And they have a Chaldean tongue, so you can't understand them. Verse 50 says, A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, or show favor to the young, and he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle. So there's the the beasts of the field, the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy land, until thou be destroyed, which also shall leave the not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind, or flocks of thy sheep, until he have destroyed thee. And so that is this yoke of iron, isn't it? So, I, does everybody see how that, I just like, wow, when I seen that cross-reference, <clears throat> Jeremiah saying, yeah, Hananiah, you broke the yoke of wood, that's right, but God's going to put on us a yoke of iron because of you. And and really, really, uh, this is where Hananiah is at right here. <clears throat> you know, he has the king's ear, and so it really causes Zedekiah to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, so it's, it's like, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe uh, Jeremiah the prophet? Are you going to believe Hananiah the false prophet? <clears throat> And uh, look, look back at verse 1 of 28, back in Jeremiah. We're back in Jeremiah 28. This is, uh, I saw this here. And th- this is your blank right under Roman numeral 3. Look, at, you see in the middle of that verse it says, Hananiah the son of Azar the prophet which was of Gibeon. And I know Jim likes this story of the... Yeah, the Gibeonites. <laughs> it's a G.I. Does anybody remember that story? Do you remember the, the Gideonites came to uh, Joshua when they were conquering the land and they, they kind of decided among themselves, we can't beat the Israelites, so let's deceive them, thinking that we came from a far country, they had like moldy bread, they had like their worst shaggy clothes, and Joshua didn't, didn't ask the Lord, because Joshua was told to you know kill the people of the land, because this is the promised land. Well, he he makes a covenant with them or a league, I think it says. And so this Hananiah, he was a Gibeonite, and his forefathers are the same ones that deceived Joshua. And so I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. That to me, that's a little key in this story that he still got some Gibeonite blood in him, even though he's with God's people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because God didn't have to tell us that. You could just said, "Yeah, I just called." But yeah, it was just a little key to the story that his forefathers deceived Joshua. And uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's finish this story, brother uh, Ed. Sir, it is so good to have you again. By the way, and uh, who who was able to get you this morning, Chris? Chris got you. Okay, good. I was going to text you to make sure you got home okay Friday, but 
I figured since no news was good news, you made it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Mike actually knows the efforts the people I live with. Really? Yeah. Well, that was sweet. Well. I was. Nice. I felt like that was of the Lord, so that's good. That's good. You got a new buddy there, so. Yeah. All right, we'll read 15 through the end of the chapter of 28, would you? Then said the prophet Jeremiah to Hananiah, the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. That that kind of gives me chilly. I mean, you read that so well, but it's like, wow. We we just read from Moses' words, the prophet that speaks presumptuously in the Lord's name shall die. And here, Jeremiah said, you're going to die this same year. And he dies that same year. This is... Uh, and uh, so in verse 15 that they had read at the end of it his, his charge was he made God's people to trust in a lie and I, I believe that's the sin that God killed him for because God's people you know you know, David was so careful. You know, Saul was trying to kill him, but Saul was God's anointed. And and David's like, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And essentially, that's what Hananiah did. He deceived the king of God's people. And, and God took him. And so the word trust goes in your blank, your next to your last blank. The results of Hananiah's false ministry is that he caused people to trust in a lie. And, uh, you you know, that's that's dangerous for any of us to do, isn't it? Uh, I I feel like I was almost damned uh, myself before I was saved. I believed in things that were not true and I believed that my good works would outweigh my bad and that is just so dangerous that for any of us to believe in a lie and you know we were taught that you know can't we can't really know if we're going to heaven I, I told a guy that this week he pulled it was one of our engineers as I was uh, as I was walking to my pickup uh, he just kind of drove by to say hi to me and and we, we talked about going to heaven, and uh, I said, yep, I know I am. Uh, and, and I said, and it was just so cool, I was like, you know, First John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And I, I told him, I said, Charles, you can know that you have eternal life. And he says, yeah, I, I hope so. And and he said, we were just talking about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And anyway, he he kind of professes, I can just tell that maybe he's not truly saved because he doesn't know. He's like, I feel like he's still where I was and kind of hoping that his good works will outweigh his bad. And he goes to church. He's a great guy. And... Uh, anyway, uh, so it's just very dangerous to believe in a lie. And so here, here is these two uh, prophets squaring off. And uh, the true prophet, of course, is Jeremiah. He's our hero. He's a, a uh, you know, a servant of the Lord, Jehovah God. And he's telling the truth, but the people chose to believe in a lie. And my teaching point there is that uh, God's mercy ran out with, and he takes Hananiah home. Uh, Hananiah was one of God's people, so he, uh, I like to think uh, he, he went home to be with the Lord, but anyway, God, God killed him, and uh, maybe not. Uh, let, let me, let's all look at the 1 Corinthians 11 there, and we'll, we'll close with this passage. 
1 Corinthians 11 and verse 30. This is kind of in the context of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, go ahead and read that, uh, Ed. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Yeah, so here's a reference to people that are eating and drinking the Lord's Supper unworthily. And uh, the Bible says here that many are uh, weak uh, and sickly, and many sleep. And in the Bible, uh, death is like sleep for God's people. And we can see that several times. Uh, uh, even in the context of the, of the rapture, it uh, says that. But, but th- this is one of the reasons for sickness is if we are... If we are continually in rebellion against the Lord, uh, we can uh, become weak or sickly. And God sometimes even takes His own people home uh, short, doesn't He? Um, uh, I think all of us know the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. Uh, they, They sold this land... And they brought part of the proceeds of the land to give to the apostles. But they basically said, here is all of the profit. But they kept some of it. And Peter says, you know, why did... uh, uh, Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And and God killed him. And later that afternoon, uh, the wife comes in and said, yeah, we sold it for so much. She lies too. and, And God kills her. And so I think God sets a precedence that uh, at the beginning of the church and uh, so th- those are two more people that God took home and, and, and th- those were believers. It, it said that they lied to the Holy Ghost. They, they, were, they were born again. They had the Holy Ghost in them. But uh, I know Pastor Brian told me uh, a member of this church, he believes that God took them home and there was because he was privy that this person didn't get things right with the Lord, and uh, anyway, things like that just kind of puts a little bit of good fear in us, doesn't it? That that God can do that, and His uh, long suffering and His mercy does come to an end, and and so that that's how it is with uh, His people. We've read it before at the end of Second Chronicles. It says when there was no remedy, when that's the point that God throws in the towel. You know, I've dealt with my people, I've sent them prophets, I've provided for them, I've given them promised land, I've given them the law, I've given them kings, I, and uh, they're still following false gods and they're killing the prophets and all these things. And so it's kind of like, well, there's no remedy. You know, children, some of you are going to be killed. Some of you are going into captivity. And I I love you. I'm going to bring you back again. But uh, for now, you know, it's the woodshed. It's the it's the whooping. They're gonna they're gonna get a whooping. But any any comments or any other thoughts? Yeah, Pam. I uh, I'm reminded with today's message that. Uh, we're not a prophet, but the words we say or don't say uh, are so important because if we have friends who are in sin and we just go along with them, mm-hmm. uh, if we just go along with them, uh, it can blind them hmm. to their sin. You know, if we don't, if we know they're in sin or living in sin and we say nothing uh, and we don't try to caution them uh, in love and not judgmenting, you know, we're the same as a false prophet. does everybody hear that? That's and and I think you're talking about you know a modern day example, and yeah, I know there's times where I've needed to say something and didn't, and I'm just convicted about it later. And then there's times that I've said something and it hurts the other person, and 
it's felt good and right that you know you don't want to hurt or you don't want to hurt other people but it is good to speak the truth in love and that's what Ephesians 4 says and there's that old adage that silence is agreement silence is consent yeah so yeah yep so it well even if if you do tell them you have friends, family, loved ones people you know that are in sin shouldn't you tell them because perhaps you could lead them to the Lord if you're letting them know maybe they don't maybe that's what they need is right. you as the person close to them or right. observing or what have you to, and that can be a way that you can lead them to the path if, if you are right. telling them that they're sin or telling them how yeah. Exactly what. Uh, and it's not us. Right. It's, right. I, I'm word. not judging you yeah. here. Let me show you. Yeah. Right. What this is telling us about this. Well, yeah, we, we do with our children. We, we love them. And, you know, every child that God loves, He says He corrects. Mm-hmm. And if you're without chastisement or you're without correction, then, then you're not God's children. But, so, yeah, I think that is the. I think most everybody in here does have children, and so. But yeah, if we. But yeah, it, I mean, as a, as a pastor, that those it's hard to tell people things that they may not want to hear. Well, we just have to know the damage we can do. Right. It's very serious if we just mm-hmm. move along. And, yeah. You know. I'm glad you said that because that's the very word that I used with someone this last week. Is this this is serious, and uh, and I think this person knows that we love them and we've uh, ministered to them more than once. And so you kind of got to let God step back and let God work it out at some point. But but yeah. Anyway. Ed, glad you're here. Dawn and Diana, glad you guys could come again and hope it was profitable. But yeah, this this picture of the yoke is just so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to serve somebody, so we want to be yoked with the Lord and um, equally yoked with others. Even in ministry. And yeah, ministry is like, I think that's another reference of there's a fellow yoke servant or there yep. a fellowship in the yoke so yeah it's a, a yoke fellow maybe that's what it is so it's kind of a picture of oxen I don't know if you ever really th- uh, really I don't know if you know what an ox is but really an ox is a male cow uh, that's I think over a year old and has been uh, castrated so it's a steer but after a year after it's a yearling and Emma you can probably tell me if I'm wrong we, we had a I wish I had it with me we had uh, a big uh, oxen and uh, we took it to the county fair one time it, it was its head was I've got a picture we was here, we were in the newspaper and it, it's its horns were I don't think I could have reached horn to horn probably and uh, when it was at the feed trough you know it just ran all the other cattle away and nobody could eat next to it because they'd get gored and so it, uh, I know there's some bulls that get bigger this this weighed about 2100 pounds and its back was the head my head height and of course so his horns would have probably touched the ceiling if he held his head up here but uh, anyway, uh, but Christians are like an ox in the Bible in that it says we've been through the operation of God made without hands. And so just like a, an ox is, was a bull that was castrated, it had an operation done on it. Uh, and and it, it's, it's really to keep the steer from jumping fences and being with other people's cattle. It's to... Uh, kind of guy, and 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 usually we dehorn them so that uh, you know they don't gore other cattle. But uh, anyway, this one wasn't. It, but uh, oxen, uh, 
they, they, they're yoked together, they're even equally yoked, and so Christians are likened to oxen in the Bible. And uh, and they're they're meant to do work. We're here to not work to be saved, but because we are saved, we're created unto good works. Ephesians uh, says. But anyway, uh, yeah. There's there's some other analogies there, but anyway, I think we all get get the point there. But let's uh, pray and be dismissed. And uh, thank you guys for joining us online and Facebook. And uh, I think Dottie's probably heading this way. Yep. So, all right, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we do thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for this illustration from Jeremiah and Hananiah. And it does uh, create just an element of uh, fear and reverence in us, Lord. As we, you, you took uh, the life of this man, Hananiah. He just continued on a wrong path. and. So, Lord, help us not to continue on any wrong path and uh, help us to uh, just really season our words with uh, salt and grace that we might uh, draw others to you, make make them uh, thirsty for your the water of your word. And thank you for this example of the yoke today and uh, how we need to be uh, yoked with you and take take your yoke upon us your burden is light and your yoke is easy and you want to give us rest and so help us rest in you today thank you for your word uh, bring us back again uh, safely and uh, be with uh, pastor brian as he speaks to us now in jesus name i pray amen, amen. <clears throat> and i will sign off i felt uh, it was good man i love a little bit out of it that's cool